was it Ryan mm. Barucki was fatigued and he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he, he laid down for a nap and we forgot where he was. Ryu's sequencing. They can do whatever they want with him because all of his pitches move differently. It's for TV, it's you know, business as usual. It's Buck and Tabby being Buck and Tabby with their nonsense and And welcome to episode number 205 of Artificial Turf Wars, where the team hitters go the other way and we go the extra mile. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the cheerful Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Full of cheer. Yeah, always. Consistently. Uh, here in episode two. <laughs> 205. Not not that kind of cheer. Um, <laughs> oh. We had a we had a week, win a series, lose a series. I think that's not you know, not the end of the world. Um, we're going to talk about people, some people like Roddy Telez who avoided the DL. And then, uh, of course, uh, Rafael Dolis returned from it. Um, and then there's, there's people who might be going on. It might be coming off of it. Uh, there's always that happening with this team. It seems whether we like it or not, Ross Stripling is trying to make Alec Manoa, uh, not have to, to speak for himself. He's making his case for him. Um, the bullpen, as it turns out, Josh does allow runs from time to time, especially late. Uh, which we found out this week. I thought that was not a thing with this team, but turns out it is. Uh, we will check in with Danny, Danny Jansen and his automatic out status. Um, we will talk about Vlad and Ryu and Semyon because we do like happy things around here. And uh, yeah, uh, Nate Pearson. What the heck, man? Uh, George Springer, where is he? We have your questions. We have a new feature called Hey Man, Nice Shot. Um, which we'll explain when we get there. We have a gold star for former Yankees great CeCe Sabathia. And um, we have a do-over for Rob Corte, who uh, has some really insane thoughts on how the Blue Jays simulcast is going. Yeah, I think that'll get us to the end of the podcast in under two hours. So we shall begin. Uh, Blue Jays know how to handle the Phillies. Didn't have quite so much luck with the Red Sox. I think that's what it comes right down to. Yeah, I mean... You can make a pretty good case that the Jays, well, obviously we'll get to it in a bit, but like they had a really good chance to win four out of six against two first place teams. Um, they beat the Phillies and, you know, they did a good job in that series. They won the games. You know, they weren't, it wasn't like they were fluke wins. The first game against Boston, I mean, if you listen, if you ask Matt Corey, our friend of the podcast, <laughs> the Boston fan, I mean, I, I jokingly said, like, what's the Blue Jays batting average on ground balls in this series? And he replied, 2,000. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Jays got a lot of batted ball luck, but they've also been consciously going the other way, as you alluded to in our in little <laughs> tagline tag of the show. And that's been allowing them to beat the shifts a lot. It's lowering the extra base hits a little bit, but it's giving them runs and runners. So it was fluky, but not at the same time. But this is a lineup that, uh, unlike a lot of of lineups in Major League Baseball that are that are top heavy, like Houston's lineup is basically your top four or five guys, and then it really thins out. Um, the Jays, so Boston, yeah, the, the Jays, as we made the argument a bunch of times, when they are playing at full strength, have a seven player deep lineup of of consistent uh, guys who either have power or the ability to get on base. So. If they if they sacrifice a little bit of that power to pass the baton, they're they're one of the teams that can capitalize on that style of play more so than most of their opponents. Yeah, and you know, obviously they're doing all the all this without Kirk and Springer, which when those two guys are healthy, which in theory they will be healthy at some point, then you know, you're looking at potentially nine players deep that can hit. Because, you know, Guriel, again, who we'll get to in a bit, is starting to turn turn it around and Biggio is what he is, but like, you know, he's still, like you said, he gets on base. So uh, this is a good lineup. Yeah. And, and it, it means that their style of play is probably going to be, um, you know, if they are confident, it's, it's going to be informed by knowing that the, the lineup is that good. So that's interesting. Um, the starting rotation continues to get, uh, I will not say better. I will say deeper. Um, obviously, Hyunjin Ryu is the exception. We'll talk about him later. But generally, getting unlike last year, where it seemed like six innings was would you know you you give your right arm to have uh, a six inning starter. Uh, that seems between Stripling, Ryu, 
uh, not stripling, Matt, Ryu, and Robbie Ray, that seems to be a regular occurrence, which is taking a load off of the bullpen. Yeah, and especially when you have, well, actually, Stripling got five innings, I think. In the, yeah, somehow, in the... but did he deserve those five innings? Uh. Um, yeah, but I mean, you what takes the pressure off when you have these guys who are not going deep, right? Yeah, yeah. If 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 you need to uh, turn a day into a bullpen day because something has gone wrong, you you have arms uh, that are are rested enough to do that. Someone tell Charlie Montoya. Yeah, and you know, speaking of like this, right? One of these battling and whether they should get there or not. Um, it really matters because, like, in in we're recording this during the for you know the beginning of the Tampa series, but in the last game of the Boston series, Matts was awful. Like he was like he wasn't good, but he battled and he was able to get through six innings. With you know, limiting the damage to that one inning, despite having like 400 base runners during the game. <laughs> um, Robbie Ray, same thing. Like even when he's a little off, he can get through six. Ryu usually getting through seven. And you know, like you said, it's like just a massive change from last year. I mean, the conditions for last year played into it a little bit as well. But even 2019, where guys just could not go deep in games. Yeah, and again, because of the lineup, I. Matt's was in a position to win that game. I know wins don't mean anything, but the idea that he stuck around long enough for the team to score seven runs is not really out of character for this team. Five, six runs is is very doable, provided you're not facing, um, you know, Max Scherzer or you know Clayton Kershaw or or you know someone the the number one starter of the other team. They will wear down and they will score runs, uh, especially in this ballpark. Right. Oh yeah, well that's not going to be forever. But I don't think Buffalo is is any less friendly to their overall uh, overall abilities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk about the disabled list. Uh, we thought I think injured we, list. Sorry, the injured list because yes, being getting the name right helps. Um, <laughs> so we thought Rowdy Tellez was going to be injured because he slipped on home plate, and they waited and waited and waited to see if they were going to uh, put him uh, on the injured list. Call someone, and then they just he was okay. So yeah, is he's he, starting right now at first base. So he's he's okay. Okay, he's fine. So that's good. Uh, is he is he a threat? With like, they keep putting up his hard hit percentage for some reason um, when they show him statistically. I, I feel like that's Sportsnet trying to throw him a bone. Um, like he's eighth well, in MLB in hard hit percentage. Like, do I care about that, Josh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, you care about it in the sense of like when he's making contact, he's making good contact, so he shouldn't have getting some more hits than he's been getting. But it's a swing and miss rate that's the issue. Like, he's just got to make more contact. Uh, number two on the the injury list that uh, was pertinent was Rafael Dolis has been back. He has made two appearances. Uh, one of them was in a blowout game, which I feel like that was just the rehab appearance. Yeah. I mean, they just wanted to get him back into a game and he was good. Yeah. And then he was in the save situation. That went not so good. Uh, <laughs> no, it did not go so well. It did not result in a save. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do, do Obviously, we're going to see more cracks in this bullpen. Because they've been playing like that, the eighth and ninth inning has been an inhuman experience up until now. How many, how many of of nights like uh, the previous night where again Dolis came in with a uh, two run lead and gave up a a run and then a two run massive two run home run to JD Martinez? How many nights do you think we're going to be gnashing our teeth versus celebrating? Well. I think that it's going to be mostly the good kind. I, I think the back end of this bullpen is still really good. I mean, they hadn't blown a save in the ninth inning all season. Well, they hadn't lost a game they were leading going into the ninth inning all season. And, you know, like, that's pretty good. They, you're going to lose some of them. Like, that, <laughs> that's just how baseball goes. And, like, as, as we said, especially in this ballpark, that J.D. Martinez home run might not be a home run in most parks. Probably isn't. And... You know, it was still would have been a hit to tie the game, but it's just the way it is that like sometimes guys will suck. But I think that 
even without guys getting back, the back of the bullpen's strong, and once guys get back, it's going to be even stronger. Um, and apparently Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was running around pregame with a taped-up mm-hmm. knee. Did I miss the specific injury, or are they... Sore is... knee. A knee contusion, I think, is what it was. Um... No, no, like <laughs> Jay's injury reports, right? You know, I think was it Ryan mm. Barucki was fatigued and he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> he, he laid down for a nap and we forgot where he was. <laughs> <laughs> Same with George Springer, like fatigue and he's like, he's not even running yet. Um, full speed. So who knows? I, it's it, like, he might be back tomorrow or he might have to go on the IL for three months at this point. Like, it's just impossible to have any sense. Uh, yeah. So there's, I guess there's more injury report later. Do, do you want to talk about, you, you alluded to Springer. Springer is like maybe soon. Is that where we're re, re, I, all jokes aside? Well, does, I mean, it's basically just, it could be soon. It could not be like, it, it's just all about when he makes that next stage and re- reaches that next stage in his recovery from the injury where he can run full speed. And then they'll send him out on a quick rehab assignment and then he'll be back within, I don't know, four or five days from then. But that could be tomorrow or it could be in three weeks. It's just like, it, it really depends on Springer. And then I, I suppose I should allude to Nate Pearson because Nate Pearson was called up after an injury was just for those of you who don't remember was uh, or have blocked it out was participated in an absolute nightmare of a start where he had no control and very little velocity and then apparently was hurt but it is now May 21st I feel like less than a week later maybe I'm wrong uh, and, and he's back pitching in Buffalo right now yeah <laughs> his shoulder impingement which like it said mild, mild shoulder impingement or minor or something. And you're like, shoulder impingements ain't good. No. Um, turns out it was mild because he's back pitching and he struck a guy out on a 98 mile an hour fastball. So, okay. <laughs> I guess he's fine. <laughs> oh, the mysteries. The mysteries. Um, I guess, so he, he could also potentially be, be gunning for Ross Stripling's job. Um, Ross started out looking like an absolute disaster again he also gutted it out and didn't in the end really have much worse results than Stephen Matz did the other night it just the the instantaneous failure with which Stripling uh came into the game was was quite the thing yeah it started like the Braves game did except it didn't continue like the Braves game did uh I mean Stripling is I don't know what happened I, I I think might be just like what we talked about a few podcasts ago, where it's just like the league got better and he didn't. But like he used to be good, and uh, now I don't trust him at all against a team that can hit. Like you want to throw him out against you know, Baltimore or something, fine. But like I don't want to see him pitch against Boston. I don't want to see him pitch against the Phillies, Braves, Rays, Yank. You know, there's a lot of good yeah. teams that they face. So I think he's got one more start in him to really turn it around. Um, which the, the case that he is inadvertently making is either for most likely Alec Manoa, which what what a crazy coincidence. Alec Manoa's minor league starts are now on the same night as Ross Stripling. So you can just compare them head to head and see how things are going. <laughs> yeah, except next week on Monday, they won't be because the minor leagues don't play on Mondays anymore, which is kind of a goofy thing. All right. Uh, but there is the Nate Pearson effect where if Pearson is healthy, um, there's certainly the potential that that's who ends up taking Stripling spot if he is a you know fails again we will see yeah but we just while we're on Manoa yeah let's say we, we talked yeah we, we talked about like I saying he'd do this two more times well that's one because he pitched six innings and struck out 10 allowed his first run the only run he allowed and walked one so on the season he has pitched 18 innings walked three given up one run and struck out 27 it it does feel like it's a bit of a waste having him do that in AAA. Yeah, and well, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> what it's worth, the team is talking about, and Ross Atkins is essentially saying, like, he's in. We're we're talking about it. We're talking about when, like, whether we should bring him up because 
Well, at some point, it's just like if the guy's just rolling through AAA, you may as well see if he can do better than your fifth starter who's not getting it done. Yeah, and the Blue Jays have consistently had someone not get it done each turn through the rotation. Uh, you know, started out as Tanner Roark. Now it's Ross Stripling. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, there is one member of the bullpen who I think we should tip our hat to, probably for like the third week in a row, is Tyler Chadwood. <laughs> I mean, we should be tipping everything like, like <laughs> he just keeps consistently facing the heart of everybody's order with the game on the line and dominating them like he faced the two three four of the braves a few times same with the phillies and then he came in in the seventh yesterday to face it was verdugo jd martinez and xander bogarts and got them one two three and just like <laughs> like i just expected at this point yeah, so when we talk about the back end of the Jays' bullpen, we are talking now about, about those three guys, Chatwood, Romano, and Delise, um, yeah. and, and deployed in, in whatever manner seems to make the most sense uh, you know, for the leverage and or the matchups, uh, and, and saving Delise for the hopefully less pressure-filled ninth inning because you know uh, he's not going to have to face J.D. Martinez, who might hit a bomb off of him. Um, yeah, that's... Again, when you have three guys who you can count on, who you can use every other day, uh, pretty much, that is a big comfort to uh, management and to the fan base. And it's been a while, I think, since the Blue Jays have had that kind of back end of a bullpen. Uh, Yeah, they've had a guy or two. I mean, back in the playoff years, they had pretty strong backs of the bullpen. Like 2015, they had... Yeah, that's Sanchez, Cecil, Osuna, six Lowe. years like, ago. That was ridiculous. But you know, and, and then you talk about Dolis in the ninth. I think it'll just be matchup based because Romano came in to face Devers and Vasquez, and Dolis wasn't supposed to get to JD Martinez, but they got those two fluky hits to start the inning, and then it turned the lineup over. So I think that they can really do nice things with with this trio. And then once guys start getting back, then it's like. It's good. I mean, it's the great bullpen we thought it was if once guys start getting back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Tyler Chatwood is the top guy. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with, with the uh, the tiny little ERA that starts with a decimal point. You know, that one. <laughs> yep. Uh, we need to check in with uh, Danny Jansen, don't we? Oh, you know what? I guess we do. Automatic out. I say nay. Nay, he is he is not an automatic out this week. I feel like I saw him do something important possibly twice. <laughs> you did. Uh, do you remember when we last recorded? Uh, was it last Thursday? I thought it was the Thursday. It was Thursday. So that would have been the 13th. So since the 13th, Tanny Jansen has come to the plate 17 times and reached base in six of them. Whoa! Whoa, that's that's more than a third, Josh. <laughs> yes, a four twelve on base percentage since we last recorded. Wow, wild. Uh, has he? He was closer to an automatic reaching base. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was still wasn't no. closer because he wasn't over five hundred. But he was, he was doing real well. He needed a good good stretch. Yeah, he was he was closer to the league lead than to zero in in on base it, percentage over the. And that brings years. his total line up to. A 214 on base for the season. So despite the strong week, we got to keep the feature going for a little longer. So so his his on base percentage has passed the Mendoza line. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll leave it at that. Um, speaking of people who get on base, Vlad Jr. gets on base a lot. Like a disturbing amount. Like 42% of the time. Or some such. Uh, and not only that, he also hits for a massive amount of power. Turns out he's good. Yeah. There was someone who on Twitter um, this weekend, they were like, oh, yeah, he, you know, somebody should really put an 80 on his hit tool. And I'm like, are you okay? Like, they've been put an 80 on his hit tool since he was 16. <laughs> well, maybe not 16, but since he was but since he was 18, yeah. they were. He was one of the first eight people to get an 80 hit tool from Baseball America in ages. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he, we're seeing why. Yeah, he clearly has. He does. He went two weeks between strikeouts, basically. 
more home runs than strikeouts in that, you know, in, in a month. Like, I just, I don't know. He, I, I don't want to say he's like Edwin Encarnacion because uh, obviously they're different era, different hitter. But but that that very low strikeout doesn't have to walk much, still manages to be incredibly productive uh, thing that Encarnacion used to do. Uh, yeah, I feel like that has a familiar ring to it with that. Yeah, I mean, he's got exactly as many walks as strikeouts, which when you hit for the kind of power he does, it's, I mean, he's got 20 fewer strikeouts than Marcus Simeon and 23 fewer than Bo Bichette. And it's not like he's playing less than him. He's five plate appearances shy of both those guys. So he's special. Wow. Yeah, it's it's wow. Like, I, I'm probably going to be wow if he sticks around healthy and, and all that for years. But this is this is the first big wow season. And I'm loving it. Just want you all to know that. I'm right. Uh, we also love Hyunjin Ryu. Who takes no prisoners. <laughs> but I mean, he, oh, go ahead. I just takes no prisoners. When you watch Hyunjin Ryu pitch, it's like, if you just watched like a pitch here and there, you'd be thinking, this guy's not that good. Like none of his stuff really looks impressive on like an indi- any individual pitch. His changeup is pretty darn good. But, you know, it's hard to identify a great changeup if you just see one pitch here and there. But when you actually watch him pitch a whole game from beginning to end, I don't know how anybody hits him. I mean, they don't. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing is generally they don't. <laughs> like, he has such masterful command of four-seam cutter change-up curveball, and he'll throw all of them to all parts of the strike zone and not strike zone. D- there are a, in lot any of, count. a lot of hitters who shake their head and a lot of hitters who argue, but I'm looking at the graphics on the screen and they're doing that just to make themselves feel better because he is exactly hitting the corner that he wants to hit um, at the time he wants to hit it. Like you said, with any pitch he wants. And, and and you get some really silly looking things when the hitter is is backed into a corner and he's guessing fastball and it's the changeup. Or... He's guessing changeup because he's seen it so much, and he gets the fastball like Judge did in the first game. That that's been all year long. These ridiculous half swings, over swings, off balance stuff, and a lot of staring at the pitch, hoping that that it missed the corner, and it didn't. So yeah. And, and you know, when it comes to pitch sequencing, Rafael Dolis's pitch sequencing sometimes is awful. Um, that's not just on him; that's on the catcher too, or even more so the catcher. But reuse sequencing. They can do whatever they want with him because all of his pitches move differently. So they can just toy with hitters because they know, because, well, Danny Jansen's the guy who catches him. Jansen knows that wherever he calls, Ryu will hit the spot or within, you know, within a few inches of it. Yeah. And, and, and if he has to call for that pitch again, it will be, you know, because he missed. It's, it's, it's none of this. Yeah. They, it's so weird to see wild pitching all of the time now. Like the number of pitches that have gone over Marcus Semyon's head in the last two weeks have just blown my mind. And then it's like <laughs> Hyunjin Ryu learned a completely different sport because it's all He's in also the box. throwing like eight miles an hour slower than most pitchers. But it's fine if you were that precise. And that's, that's I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like Buck and Tabby here, but th- there there should be more pitchers who have narrowed in on that skill set and been able to be successful with it. But I think... I think it's going to be a long time before we see them again because throwing hard inaccurately is just as effective as honing the craft that Hyunjin Ryu has already honed. Sure. It's Tyler Glass now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ryu's, his walks per nine, the last four seasons, 1.6, 1.2, 2.3 last year, 1.0 so far this year. You don't walk people. You're going to do well. Yep. Like Robbie Ray. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing hurts too badly, no matter how badly Robbie Ray is doing, because it's like, oh, well, that was a solo home run. Oh, that was a back-to-back yeah. solo home run. Well, they've scored three runs for him, so he's still in the game. It's fine. So did you see that? that they? So he in the – not the last start where he gave the four runs on the home three homers, but the start before that – they changed one of his walk his walk to a hit by pitch. <laughs> so he still only has one walk in his last five outings. 
Uh, things you you weren't going to say about Robbie Ray when you found out that he resigned with the Blue Jays. That sentence was you were never going to say that. Correct. Uh, lastly, for the how are how are the guys doing? Marcus Semyon, the Blue Jays signed him largely hoping that if everything broke right, they could get 2019 MVP candidate shortstop slash second baseman Marcus Semyon at the plate. And lo and behold, what happened? Yeah, I mean, he's not quite there, but he's getting close. So in 2019, he hit 285 with a 369 on base and a 522 slugging. He's now at a 284 on base, a 350 or 284 batting average, a 351 on base and a 515 slugging with eight stolen bases already compared to the 10 he had that year. Um yeah, people say like the parks and it's not in Oakland and all that stuff, but the hitting and the offensive environment right now is way worse than it was two years ago. So kind of evens out. He's just having a tremendous season. And like, I don't know what else you can say. Like, he let off this game with a double and scored a run and stole third. It's like, it's just, he's been everything the Jays hoped they were getting. And in the absence of George Springer at the top of the lineup, you could not possibly have prayed for anything better to happen with Marcus Semyon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people were hoping for somewhere between his career numbers and 2019 because that 2019 was such an outlier. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we could still end up there. We're not saying that it's a foregone conclusion. It's just... Yeah, I mean, it's still May. <laughs> but, yeah. But the skills that led to those numbers are showing up. So, yeah, th- there's lots of good news in Blue Jay land. Um, it just has been a uh, head, a treading water kind of week. So we will see as we go forward if we continue to tread water or they continue to make um, that games over 500 number go up. Okay. Yeah. So that sums up where we've been. Uh, now we're going to go on to your wonderful questions in a couple of minutes and uh, all that other nonsense we like to talk about around baseball after the break. We'll be right back. It's okay If you need to well, You can run But you can never hide And we are back after our customary mid-session uh, breather Because it's important to take a breather now and again Or, or you know, to take a, what, take a blow, get a blow What, what is it that Tabby and Buck say? I think it's take a blow Take a blow, still sounds wrong Or, or get... I don't know. I, I don't want to even try to figure out the right words. Okay, instead, we're going to take a question or three. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right. Our first question comes from Barbecue Chef Bob at underscore BBQ Chef Bob. Thanks for asking a question, Bob. We will answer your question of when do we see the Jays on top of the AL East? These are the tough crystal ball questions. Did you remember to polish your crystal ball, Josh? I'm not Mike Wilner. I'm not going to play that game. Um, We'll find out. (laughs) So this, they could either be on the top in six days or it'll be like, you know, July if they get there because they just played three with Boston, and now they're going Tampa and New York. <laughs> so if they do well in these two series, then they'll get back and they'll get on to the top. But, you know, I, I think that they have to let their schedule ease a little bit before they can really make those moves. So they, they were close. If they won the second game of the Boston series, they would have gotten into first base, first place temporarily. Um, I think the problem right now is New York, even without, I believe it's Giancarlo Stanton and Luke Voigt, is been really freaking good and hasn't lost a series in eight series. Um, Luke Voigt is back. Voigt's back. Who, who yeah. is having the surgery now? I've yeah. Reading tweets and not paying too much attention. Cause it's just depressing Yankees news. Um, someone's got on the IL for a wrist injury for 60 days. Anyway, uh, Yankees are too good right now to easily say, Hey, the blue Jays will slide into first place. Um, in my opinion. So I'm I'm for, I'm with the July timeline. You yeah, I think the division's really strong. I mean, Boston's obviously better than people thought they were. Nick Pavetta turning into a good pitcher didn't help. Um, 
but help somebody (laughs) yeah (laughs) chris sale will be back at some point like they're not going to go away i still think they're playing over their head a little bit and they played not many good teams but they're good enough that they'll stick around whether they're i don't think they're going to be like a dominant force but like the rays and the yankees red sox jays like all four teams are good teams so it's gonna be a real fight in this division which is entertaining but you know aging somebody somebody bring me the central division um <laughs> you and ross at men talk asked if this team is looking like a contender which i think we just agreed they are oops uh who are the type of pieces this team could look to add to their core in the same way that hulo and price were added to the last core Ooh. Well, I think that it will be dictated by how guys are doing at that point. Like if you'd asked at the beginning of the 2015 season, were the Jays going to go get a shortstop? The answer was no. Um, Although it turns out they were actually trying to get too low at that point. But I mean, like Jose Reyes was still firmly entrenched there. He just like became unplayable at short. Um, But I think that right now, if you were going to identify it, it's obviously it's a starting pitcher. Mm Mm-hmm. And a third baseman. Yep. Which isn't any different than what, what you, you would have said when the the starting lineups were announced on opening day, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, we were talking about guys that could be coming back, right? So like you've got Ryu, Mats, and Ray are in there. And then you've got Pearson and Hatch and then Manoa coming up. That's six guys who could be good starters but i mean you could easily shift two of those guys to the bullpen if you pull in an ace and then your whole pitching stack gets better yeah absolutely so uh which third baseman do you want you want a seager (laughs) or something uh i'd take kyle seager people keep saying chris bryant except you know the cubs are pretty good so (laughs) i'm not sure why (laughs) they would trade chris bryant uh you know they're, they're like there are teams out there with you know, that you could make deals with. I mean, it depends on where the standings go. It's kind of hard to look at the standings in you know the end of May and predict who's going to be available at the end of July. But you know, Seager's a guy that I mean, the Mariners are bad, so Seager's definitely a guy who could be in play. So uh, our next question, uh, I would like to congratulate Luke on finishing his extremely long, incoherent screaming bout. Um, Luke, but vaccinated at split letters, says, "What guy in the minors?" not named Manoa or Pearson division, sorry, not Manoa or Pearson division, he said, right now, do you think we'll have the biggest impact on the big league team by the end of the season? So I'm assuming he's not including Hatch. But yeah, because... I, I think Hatch is, is on, uh, injured, not in the minors. I think that's well, he's, he's pitching. Okay. He's in Buffalo's rotation. So I'm just assuming he's not counting someone like that. No. I think it'll be... Well, I, I mean, he's also injured, but Patrick Murphy. I don't. I don't really look at the minor leagues, other than the guys that were listed there as being real likely contributors to this team down the stretch. I guess maybe Simeon Wood Richardson could throw out of the bullpen in September, um, but no one else. I, I don't think will be ready. I mean, like Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans have started slow in Double A, so I think they'll probably need the whole season in the minors. So I'll say Patrick Murphy among the injured minor league pitchers and then Simeon Woods-Richardson among the healthy ones. Uh, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. Uh, if Pearson dominates in AAA like he has done so far, how long until he gets another shot? Let's turn off injuries so he's not up early as cover. <laughs> um, yeah, he threw three innings today. He gave up two hits, a walk, and four strike. had four strikeouts. So like, he still needs at least two more starts to actually build up some innings. But I think at that point, if he's looking good, he'll be up. Yeah. Especially like you, like you said that if we don't see the velocity problem that we saw um, last time, maybe his new delivery will, will have taken some stress off and he can turn the injury switch toggle off. But yeah, I, I, I could see him by, uh, by the end of June, mid June, mid June. What is it today? 21st? Yeah, today's yeah. the 21st. I could see him by early June even. Like June 10th, somewhere in there. All right. There's there's your answer, Matt. Uh, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. Help! I need support with having to listen to Buck and Tabby's commentary. Have you thought about starting an AT? I, I assume she means W. 
uh, bingo game, or do you have any suggestions to make this more tolerable? Well, uh, every time someone is described as a ball player or a hitter, if you do a shot, it's tolerable by the fourth inning, but you do have the problem of not knowing what's happening in the game. <laughs> and then I, it's the, the downside too is like I was gonna say, well, there could be something else that they do every, you know, a little with a little more rarity. But no, everything that they do that's annoying, they do constantly. <laughs> so like, no matter if it's a drinking game, you're just either can't you know, incoherent, you know, incoherently screaming like Luke, or you're <laughs> hospitalized. <laughs> so, uh, the sorry, other, Colleen, yeah, muting yeah. or like, I don't know. Even if you pick the um, when when Tabler uses the exact same phrase that Buck just used to describe something, you would probably be dead by by the end of the game. Oh um, God! <laughs> it's like the, the the other night was my favorite. It was because Buck goes, "That's a do or die play," and immediately Tabler's like, "Yeah, this is a do or die play." And then he finishes describing it by saying, "So that's a do or die play." I'm like, there are other phrases to describe something that's hard to do, and that you're you know you could say it's a desperate play. You could say it's a uh, it's a don't, you know scary. We don't need we don't we don't need to keep going. We just you know like it doesn't matter. Like, it, there there could be a million choices. He'll just repeat it, <laughs> and then reword it slightly, but still saying the same thing. That's that's the only analysis Tabler knows how to do, which is why I don't understand how he ever got the job in the first place. <laughs> well, what I don't understand is how he got the job in the first place, Josh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but the question is, why did he even get hired? <laughs> like in the first place. Uh, <laughs> Colleen, maybe we will come up with a bingo card uh, in the next few weeks. Um, I think we should. Yeah, for for at least how how many consistent behaviors we can get out of Buck and Tabby. We'll workshop it. I promise we will workshop it if we can come up with the appropriate number of squares. I think there was a... The scary part is I think there was a, a bingo card years ago, and I don't think it's changed that much. <laughs> the Buck bingo, yeah. Yeah. Um, other comments. I like to put the video up and have a completely unrelated YouTube video on on my other screen. That's uh, one of my techniques. I had the game on on mute. I was just watching it on like a, on a tab in my browser yesterday, and it was oh, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the, apparently Buck was like talking from the future on the broadcast during the ninth inning, where like somehow the the video feed was on its normal delay, but the audio wasn't. <laughs> Well, probably Buck had a faster internet connection than anybody in Canada, so yeah. he could see into <laughs> so the future. <laughs> I, I avoided that pratfall as well. Uh, we're going to get into that in a few minutes, uh, uh, how the broadcast is going. But first, first, I am going to introduce a brand new feature called Hey Man, Nice Shot. You know, it has been a long time since I've heard filter, but uh, now that's where we are. We're back in the 90s. Now, um, John Heyman, uh, you can't read his tweets. You got blocked for oh, like uh, uh, 10 years ago, man. Yeah. So this is like every time we talk about Marcus Stroman and you have to explain to me what's going on, I'm going to have to explain to you what's going on with John Heyman. Um, despite being blocked by him and the fact that he carries water for, was it Boras Corp? Yes, not yes. was, is. Is. Um, uh, he does actually say some fairly insightful things from time to time. So um, the tweet this week was regarding the debacle of Tony La Russa, whom we are not giving a do-over, just for the record, because he doesn't deserve one. Uh, Tony La Russa telling one of his players, one of his best players, to not swing 3-0 with a position player pitching, uh, then disciplining him um, in some way uh, after the game, and then uh, not complaining when the Twins threw behind him the next day, and then doubling down on every other thing. So Heyman's response like he's, to this... He even said he didn't have a problem with it. Like, he didn't just not, not complain. He was fine with it. Yeah. Um, so, continue. So, uh, Heyman said, I thought it was interesting that la Russa ripped the yerminator for not knowing about unwritten rules when it was la Russa who admitted not knowing the written rules for extra innings which was that the pitcher that he had in did not have to run now we should ask which rules are more important um <laughs> the very first response from that is a guy named marty uh marty said what about the written rules about not drinking and driving <laughs> which he's ignored those twice yeah 
yeah so uh yeah a shout out hey man nice shot i i liked your uh evisceration of mr larusa i have no idea why tony larusa is still the manager of the chicago white Sox, except that they're in first place well <laughs> and jerry reinsdorf is you know he's like tony larusa's buddy he's not gonna fire him they are in first place in spite of Tony LaRusso. I honestly believe that. Oh, of course. Amazing. Also, 3-0 home runs off of a guy throwing 48 miles an hour. Go right ahead, man. If you're throwing 48 miles an hour, you've already given up. Which we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess we're going to get to it. We're, we're trying to be as positive as possible here. We're going to hand out a gold star now. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Yes. Yes. Who's earned it this week? CeCe Sabathia. CeCe was uh, not impressed with Tony LaRusso's managing style. Um, That's a, a <laughs> nice way of putting it. Yes. Uh, well, I can't put it the way CeCe put it. Because this is a family show. Um, <laughs> we we bleep <laughs> profanity on this show and like you would just be able to hear anything he says because there was a lot of a lot of it in there. <laughs> Allow me to paraphrase uh, the quote that I thought was was regarding Tony La Russa and the entire situation of, of Yerman Mercedes being given the take sign on 3-0 and ignoring it. Uh, he said, this fertilizer is as stupid as fornication. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> more, more, more or less that's what he said <laughs> i tend to agree with him but <laughs> well he went on like a good long rant too like and he's like yeah, i am never gonna remove some of the profanity it's like if you put it i'll just remove i'll just remove it if you put a position player in there to pitch guess what if he's gonna lob it over the plate we're gonna tee off put a 10 run rule up there because if you don't want to if you want to see people get embarrassed and you don't want to see position players pitch and people swing on three on three and out counts and all that stuff, then make it a 10 nothing rule. So the game will be over and you don't have these stupid ass unwritten rules. Uh, the number of times he used bro and cuz in the rant was was worth the rant itself. Just the color which he gave to it that, that did not include the profanity. He was he was clearly trying to explain uh, his position with as much enthusiasm as possible. And yeah, wh why, what, what respect do you have for the game or why do you need to respect the game when there is a position player? And again, some position players are really putting their heart into it. Um, was it Cliff Pennington was actually throwing a curveball and up around 80, 89, 90 miles an hour when the blue Jays like used 92. Him. Um, yeah. There are some, there are some pitch guys who, when they come out to pitch, they actually pitch. Um, Astadio was not. No, he was throwing 48 miles an hour. I can throw 48 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. nobody. <laughs> uh, so if he's going to throw batting practice and you're up by 11 runs, well, that's not really going to get the game over with. Just have a four... I, if if Tony DeRus is that concerned, I think he should be petitioning for a forfeit rule. I'm fine with that. If you want to save your pitchers for another you day, you can or, forfeit. Like you actually can forfeit the game. Then you lose nine nothing. Hence the beginning of my nine runs rule. Um, but he was yeah. winning. <laughs> he was on the he, winning side. But but what's the other manager really saying there? Hey, you got to give up now. I'm I'm done. No, I don't got to give up. <laughs> I'm winning. If you want, yeah. if you want this to be over, you decide it to be over. You don't do it by not being, not competing anymore. Just rolling over. So, any other thoughts you have on on that? While we hand a big shiny gold star to CC as soon as he drops by our studio. No, I think we covered it. All right, and and lastly, but possibly not leastly, uh, Rogers executive Rob Corte gets the do over of the week. All right, what would I do different? Well. Well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them, stananks. That could be worthy of a do-over. I mean, firstly, it was a serious stanank uh, to think you could simulcast with Buck and Tabby a radio broadcast. That that was the first stanank. But 
then Rob Corte was asked about about the whole process, uh, which you and I have been complaining about since day one. What was his answer, Josh? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so, so far, so good was so- what he said. Um, we've had a few discussions about how we can make it a, a little bit more radio at times without compromising the television product, but as a fluid process, I'm constantly tweaking it and looking for ways to get better as the season goes on. We're not quite there yet, but I'm happy with the progress. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. No, you're not, you're like, not even in the ballpark guys. You're, you're a on little a little bit more plan. radio. It's not radio at all. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, the phrase, would you look at that, should not be in the lexicon for either Buck or Tabby or, or Shulman. And, and I, I hold Buck and Tabby to the, the standard here because we see, we, I hear them the most often. So would you look at that? Or you can see that. That's not, that's not a phrase you can use when you're simulcasting for radio. Uh, the worst, though, transgression for me was there is a rhythm that you and I have. We, it's a bit of a joke rhythm, but you and I have talked about it before, where... If someone is being interviewed or talking about something and they're watching with one eyeball on the play, they will pause in order that the play-by-play guy has time to do his job and update the listener on what just happened. And Ben Wagner, from the dugout, was doing an update on, I don't know, Rafael Dolis's kids or something. Some, some human interest type story slash behind the scenes, whatever. And... He paused while a long foul ball sailed off into the distance for a good three or four seconds. And Buck did nothing. (laughs) Dead silence. So I've had to listen a couple times on the radio recently because I've had to go in my car to do whatever. Um, And I have no idea what's going on. Like. (laughs) Like literally none. Like I don't know nope. if there's base runners. I don't know the score for sure. Like there's no <laughs> chance of knowing those things. I'll be lucky if I get the count before the batter is over. Like it's really, really bad. It's for TV. It's you know business as usual. It's Buck and Tabby being Buck and Tabby with their nonsense. And like the other day, they were going off uh, like for a good four or five pitches about the weather. It's like they were ignoring the broadcast and letting people know what was happening so they could talk about the weather. Like, it, it can't get worse than that. No. And I guess the, the fact that they were paying so little attention to what what the people before them have had to do in, in radio. And, and obviously no one has approached them and said, hey – these are some ground rules. And then then Rob Corte goes, oh, it's, you know, it's going pretty good. No, it's not going pretty good. Like, it's a very basic, unwritten, haha. It, I'm sure it's actually written somewhere, a broadcasting rule that when you are on the radio and you are talking about the score, if you have time, you need to sum up what got to that score at least once an inning. It just has to happen because the radio listener is in and out. Nobody sits and really listens to inning after inning of the radio game. They they come in from the yard, it's on, and they need to know in the next five minutes, hey, oh, why is it six to two? It, without yeah. that, there's no point to the radio broadcast at all. You might as well just wait to watch the highlights later. Yep. So the do-over, though, is still for... <laughs> Rogers and well, Sportsnet specifically, and Mr. Corte, Bob Rob Corte, or Court, I don't know how to say his name, is the vice president of Sportsnet. Why the hell do I know his name? For for like it's like he's trying to gaslight us and like that that people are thinking that there's nobody, not one person who's not related to Buck Tabler or someone who works for Sportsnet <laughs> who thinks the radio broadcast is good. Yeah. Nobody. Uh Here's a, here's a crazy thought that would, would wipe the do-over off the face of the planet for us. Ben Wagner is in Dunedin. Oh, it's so bad. He's right there. He's got a microphone. Just give him a chair and a laptop and let him do the bloody radio broadcast by himself. And they, <laughs> they've got Joe Siddle in the booth with Jamie Campbell, who they're paying. 
<laughs> They've got Ben Wagner in the stadium, who they're paying. What? I, 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 like, I, I don't get it. We don't either. You and me both don't get it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, in that we are so confused moment, uh, I think it's probably best to begin to wrap up the podcast. In a ball of confusion, do you have a final thought? Yeah. Um, the Jays just get screwed by this border stuff. I, I, we were, I was watching that Boston game. I swear it was 80% Red Sox fans at the Blue Jays home games, which, you know, it's people may remember that from <laughs> when the Jays sucked in Toronto, but this is a good team. And it's the same problem the Raptors had where they had to start banning fans because people down there are not Blue Jays fans. The only Blue Jays fans in Dunedin are snowbirds and the snowbirds are gone because it's hot in Florida now. It's too hot. Yeah. So I agree that to hear the stadium erupt every time uh, the opposing player does something, it's like, ugh. so like the Jays like probably can't wait to get out of there, but it's not going to get any better going to Buffalo. Uh, you know, especially like when they play the Yankees in Buffalo, you think there's going to be any Jays fans there? It's going to be all Yankees fans. So I just hope somehow that the vaccines people get them and then, then they can finally come home. That's my final thought. 100%. Uh, my final thought is about nine runs. Um, so I've tried to make it clear that, that the threshold here for success and to be World Series bound, guaranteed, is nine runs. And I think this week was a perfect illustration uh, because the Blue Jays allowed the opposing team to score eight runs and lost twice. <laughs> I, so get that nine. I think it's pretty clear you have to do the nine, guys. You can't just do the seven and think you've scored a bunch. It's It's nine runs every night so now that that's clear you've seen the negative consequences of not doing that i think we can focus ourselves and we can get to nine you know together as a group team effort team effort nine runs <laughs> all right folks uh i have been greg wazuski at coolhead 2010 and uh, you have been joshua housem as joshua housem and this has been artificial turf wars episode number 205 and we'll talk at you next week mm-hmm.